Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 295 on Tuesday, the 17th of December, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And during a week where most of the PRs have seemingly left for the holidays already, we'll be asking, do you take your children with you when you go car shopping? We also wonder why companies still think people should answer the calls while driving. And we look at a Porsche that is far, far away. But first... We go to new news. There is no follow-up. Dear me. It is that time of the year. And this is the story that a couple took their three-year-old to an Audi dealership in China whilst shopping for a car, left said three-year-old unattended with a rock, and found out later that said three-year-old had decided to, and inverted commas, draw on the Audis using the rock as a pencil. The little darling's going to be an artist. Yes. Well, the little darling may learn more about rocks if mummy and daddy cannot pay the $10,025 fine that it was eventually given in court because they wouldn't pay the $28,643 claim from the dealership. (laughs) Yeah, so the judge not not only gave the parents the fine of 10 grand that that judge also gave them some advice on how to perhaps improve their parenting skills a little yeah the reason for this was was it wasn't just uh the dealership were claiming it wasn't just uh a repair that was needed on the the Audis. Uh, it was also the fact that they were going to have to disclose that repairs had been made and that would affect the uh residual values of the vehicles because they just saying that they just couldn't lie about it. There's a joke in there about something about honest car dealers and stuff. Yes, well, they they, they were claiming it in court anyway. Okay. <laughs> right, let's let's move on to uh, prep everyone for carmageddon whatever it's going to be called this time, this holiday. Well, yes, well, well done, because I hadn't seen a, a headline that called it Carmageddon, and, and, you know, thank you for your restraint people yes uh study by rac and inrix uh, rac is putting out an awful, just an awful lot of press releases they're saying that over the festive period a, a total of 31.2 million leisure journeys will take place between december the 17th that's today as we record uh, and christmas eve uh, they expect about 25 million of these to take place between December the 16th and to tw- December the 22nd, with Wednesday and Thursday expected to be the peak travel day, so not Friday, surprisingly. On the other hand, about 5.6 million are expected to be late leavers taking to the road on the 23rd or on Christmas Eve. The hotspots you can expect on Thursday is between 3 and 7 p.m. on the M5 northbound. Cheltenham to West Brom, which is just a horrible piece of road anyway. Uh, and the M25 Clockfield, uh, Junction, uh, Clockfield? Clockwise, Junction 23, Hatfield to 28, <laughs> Chelmsford. They're expecting a 56-minute delay around 7.15. And the M25 Anticlock from Maple Cross from Junction 17 to Junction 12 for the M3. That's the, um, that's, uh, that's roundabout past Heathrow, M4, that kind of zone. Goes on hotspots on Friday between twelve and seven. Yeah, M one, M twenty five, basically M one, M twenty five, M five. But you know, why is this a surprise? Come on, 
this happens every single time there is there is a holiday. Yep. Uh, on the other hand, 800 miles of roadworks will be suspended over Christmas. So about 98% of motorways and major A roads should be free flowing. Uh, this will probably happen from 6 a.m. on December the, on Friday the 20th. So, you know, after everybody's started moving uh, <laughs> right through until a smidgen after midnight on the 2nd of January. So, yes, we'll just see just what happens there. Yes. Well, good luck, everyone. And just take your time. Don't drive mm-hmm. up the backside of someone else. Just be you're going to get there when you get there is essentially the moral yeah. of this story that is yet to play out. <laughs> Well, the good news is that you're not going very far this this holiday, and I'm not going very far this holiday, so it should be fine. No, nor before the holiday. Hmm. <laughs> Looking yes. forward to Monday the twenty third, particularly. Is it? Is it, ah, is that when you're doing your your, yes. your pre your pre holiday journeying? Yes, this is when I'm trying to get match fit. <laughs> yeah. You'll get there when you get there. Or I will, exactly. Dri- or you can always just drive over everyone else in your way. Well, that that is possibly an option, certainly. Right, moving on to a bit more new news. There isn't loads tonight, don't worry, everybody. And that is that London will have its first zero-emission section of road. And it's not even zero-emission. Sorry. No. <laughs> I'll commandeer this story in just a moment. Yes, this is Barbican Estates Beach Street is going to ban petrol and diesel cars. Now, apparently, and looking at the pictures, this is a pretty much almost like a tunnel anyway. So it's an enclosed mm-hmm. road that doesn't seem to have fans pushing air through it. So funnily enough, when they've tested it, the air quality is pretty grim. So uh, so it's going to be shut for 18 months to experiment and see what difference it will make because they're going to monitor mm. it um, to the air quality, the airflow, uh, and traffic. So it's being pimped as zero emission, okay? It's not zero emission. It's anything that counts as an ultra-low emission vehicle. So it could potentially be running on pure electric as it goes through the tunnel but it might not be in the same breath of course whilst this is 24 hour there are exceptions to the rule obviously so anything that's anything that's going to be using the car park which is accessed from beach street can go through there as well anyone who is a visitor to barbican center and or is a resident in the Barbican Centre and who uses that car park can use that as well. <laughs> Similarly, any deliveries or collections to or from anyone in the Barbican Centre can also use that through route. That's quite a large number of, you know, that's quite a large number of um, potential vehicles there. So this is not, it's not that all of a sudden nothing is going to be able to go through there. I mean, I've got a story on the Londonist here in front of me and they've, a picture was supplied with a cyclist. Uh, you know, it shows the tunnel, it shows the cyclist, it shows a number of black vehicles coming through, and there's lots of red crosses have been put on the black vehicles and a big green tick on the cyclist on this Londonist story. thing is that, well, I don't think any of the black vehicles actually qualified as ULEs, possibly. They are darn close, all of them being black Prius Plus minicabs. <laughs> So, you know, it's not as if it was the the dirtiest of dirty diesel spewing evilness that was going through there. But it's not as 
The other thing is this is only being introduced in spring 2020. Okay, so yeah. it's not as if it's happening next week. And then it's running for 18 months as an idea, as a test. So they're urgently leaping into action. Yeah. So it's been announced because, probably because people like us have very little to talk about and the newspapers have very little uh, to put in the newspapers this week. So it's getting into all the headlines. But it's just the fact it's zero emission is being put everywhere and it's not zero emission, it's ultra low emission. Uh, on that tack, I did see a report stroke press release from Air Quality Air whichever group that is one of the major hmm. groups that jump up and down and say how we're killing each other by driving cars but they came out and perfectly timed superbly timed to get maximum sympathy saying how delivery vans are spewing up to Ooh. 17 times more uh, emissions than we would think the particularly dirty ones and as everybody waits for their christmas the christmas presents they've ordered to give to people to arrive i would imagine the vast majority of people couldn't care less what it, what that one story was actually saying was that the worst the most knackered delivery vans could be putting out seven up to 17 times more pollution uh, than the cleanest delivery vans but I, but I, uh, well, thanks for, thanks for clarifying it. Because when I saw who it was from, I just, I rolled my eyes and thought, I'm in no mood to read this tonight. <laughs> I'm not. And I'm glad, glad you've at least opened it and found out. Because it's, it, like I said, it, we're all sitting here going, uh, it's getting close to the time. Can you please make sure the presents arrive? Oh, y your presents are killing people. Right now, I don't care. I just need the presents to be here. Yes. <laughs> it's how we are it's all. Nothing compared to the immediate death. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, in the wider scheme of things, we'll worry about it in January type, I think, from most people. Let's insert at this point our usual caveat that we're not against good air quality, by the way. Yes. Okay. Andrew might be, but I'm not. So any uh, any hate mail uh, in his general direction, please. Uh, yeah, so how I'll to give get... you the contact details at the end of the contact show. Contact details at the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> right. Come on. Tell Tell me then. What are the most wanted items uh, on a shopping list for car thieves? Well, this is a rather weird article from a rather weird piece of research. It turns out that the most wanted thing are, is your car. <laughs> from a car thief? Yes, amazing, isn't it? Uh, so, uh, particularly if it's a premium brand, a premium brand is particularly is particularly desirable. So, you're saying that a a more expensive car is the preferred car of choice for a car thief. Yes, an expensive keyless car. Ah, okay. Expensive car with keyless entry is the absolute best, but an expensive car is best of all because of the incredibly low amounts of money that they seem to receive from them, according to this. In an Audi from A1 to A5 uh, is worth about a grand to a thief afterwards. I don't know if that's how much it's the post-theft value, it says. Which seems a bit weird. By the time you sold a, pair, a set of uh, Range Rover alloys, even on eBay, you're getting well on the way to that. Is that something to do with where you are in the pecking order of the from the removing the vehicle to it being fenced off or pass, bits passed on to someone else, where you are in that pecking order to how much of that cut you get? Possibly, yes. I mean, as the person who, who goes to the house and 
does the mirroring of the signal, they get one of the least amounts of money. I would imagine so, yes, because the risk is lower. But yeah, what amazed me, though, was the numbers that car thefts have risen risen from 75,308 in 2013-2014 to 112,000 in 2017-2018, which is... Significant. Significant, yeah. (laughs) That's That's not a rounding error. No, that's not a rounding error. So, guys, if you do have keyless cars, get the little pouches, get the little Faraday cages, uh, Faraday pouch things. Uh, Just do be careful, please. Maybe that's the sweet, sweet merch we need to do. The Andrew-endorsed tinfoil hat key card. If you want to be fulfilling the sweet merch on that, you can have a crate of Motoring Podcast-branded ones in in your house to send out then knock yourself out mate we can absolutely do that the trouble is i couldn't find anywhere online that did them we'll come to the sweet merch plug later on but i I did look i did look it's the remote fulfillment no that that but that sorry being being slightly more serious and talking about the subject in hand here uh, that is a heck of a jump and yeah is it being put down that that is just down to keyless theft or is it I, I, is it because I, there's a large number of premium vehicles about or many different factors i think it's a many different factors um i imagine that many of these parts and actually uh, many of the vehicles in total will be being moved abroad mm. it happens it goes straight into a container and then it's away to the Far East, to Eastern Europe, to Russia, any of these places where there is a suspicious number of right-hand drive cars magically appear in left-hand drive countries, Mm. Uh, particularly of the BMW, Audi, Range Rover type. I I think keyless entry may have something to do with it, but I'm not sure it's 100%. That has enabled an an easier way in, possibly. I I think it's a new attack vector that people have exploited. Yeah. So so I think that that's that's a high possibility as well, particularly as the two tend to go hand in hand. Yeah. 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 I think that there is probably a a bigger market around the world Mm -hmm. for stolen vehicles and uh, parts, which, you know, can fit either left or right hand drive stuff. And I think that there's, uh, yeah, I think there's a bigger market, and also there's 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 a way of getting the merch uh, that's needed to to fulfil that market. Mm. Okay, I'd be curious to know if it was different across Europe. To be honest, that's yeah, a good thought. That, that if, would I, be... if I thought of that earlier, I would have tried to find the numbers, but I, I don't. I didn't. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Right, going to move on to some more, frankly, shocking numbers and information. Yeah, and this is. Uh, a survey by IAM Roadsmart, and they have polled business leaders to ask about their attitudes and expectations when it comes to their employees driving for work and phone calls, particularly when driving. And I'm just going to read out a, a couple here because I, I am actually, frankly, surprised, but then not surprised at the same time. Uh, and the first one that really hit hit me was that nearly half of business leaders polled, 49%, expect their employees to answer their phone at any time. Now, before we go any further... Are you not going to add the last little bit yeah, on I'm that about, I'm going to add that bit oh, in okay, as well. So. But at any time, can we all chill out a bit with work? 
<laughs> you're paid to work during work hours. And unless you're emergency services, security services, it can wait. Mm-hmm. But the end of the uh, end of that sentence is including while driving for work. Now there has been we have said it many times on here. There's been many investigations, many studies done by academics to demonstrate how cognitively impaired we are if we are taking a phone call when behind the wheel, even if it is hands free. This should not be a shock to many people. I know everyone who listens to us. It's not a surprise to them. But it should not be a shock to people who, just the general public, because it has been on mainstream TV shows to demonstrate how impaired you are if you're taking a phone call. And yet people are still expected to take calls. That becomes a little bit towards duty of care, does it not? I would have thought not being a legal expert. It's a weird one because because when I go to you know when I go to to large companies, then quite often they've got stuff up around how how to behave when you're when you're driving and stuff. They are that kind of company. Then um, very often it's just do not answer the phone when you're driving. Mm-hmm. I know there's one of the big energy companies which is super safety oriented. One of those ones where you had to give a you had to have a safety moment at the start of every meeting type job which is easier said than done yes (laughs) on the 17th week (laughs) yeah yeah basically the fourth meeting of the day and their one of their rules was was you don't answer the phone when you're driving Mm. just don't you're not expected to and it's it's made very clear that there is no corporate expectation for you to to do that and uh, these numbers shocked me yeah so 49 percent for that do you want me to i'll do the next one just over one in eight employees who drive for work and more than one in 20 leaders consider the hard shoulder a safe place to take a work call it's incredible. Yeah. And then the last one here is one in six UK employees who drive for work say they've been involved in an incident when driving for work due to a phone call from a colleague. Yeah, so that's not even a client or a customer. That's a colleague. That's a colleague. <laughs> that's a colleague. And it's – I just find that amazing, to be honest. I mean, I, I rack up a reasonable mileage each year. Well, nobody phones me. The thing is that I have so stamped it into people's heads that the phone is not a good way to get hold of me, and partly because I'm driving. Yeah, well, we, we had that. I mean, I've said this before. One of the architecture firms I work for, they refuse to give out our mobile numbers to clients because you can contact us when we're in the office, mm-hmm. not when yeah. we're on site, not when we're driving. You will not be given it. And I've heard the, the office manager spending a long time talking down a very irate client who felt that they had that deserved that access and it was like well it's not you're not going to have it this is our company rule mm-hmm. you knew this when you signed up with us because we make it very clear to you and it's it's just not applicable you can wait the 2 hours till they are back in the office it's not that critical <laughs> and but here's and it's also a lesson that if it was that critical then you sort that rubbish out before it becomes a problem. But we, we do that, but then we're not in sales where, you know, you've got to get in there to get the percentage and all these kind of things. And yeah, yeah. And, and that's 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 when it, it, it does happen. It happens quite a lot. And, yeah. and some people spend an awful lot of their time on the phone in the car. Yeah. Uh, but I just, just don't. Not at all. So, yeah, just be aware of that. I just thought the, sh- the numbers for the hard shoulder in particular, to me, that's actually, that's almost the worst of them. It it is the most it, surprising but, for me. But that explains an awful lot as well. 
when yeah, you drive yeah. around. It explains enough. If if that's the sort of presumption, not saying attitude, mm-hmm. it's more of a well. What do you mean? There's something wrong with this? Yeah, exactly. It's not exactly. the oh, I deserve to park here and call. It's the I have no idea that that was a problem. It's more the worry for me because then you look at that sort of ties into other behaviours on the road. Oh yeah, well this is very very true indeed. Yep. I think that's about first part, is it not? I love the way that we're not even describing it as a half right now. No, there's, there's no point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's that moment in, in the show where it, it is guilt minute. And right at the minute, uh, we're not guilting you into, into Patreon right at the minute. But you can, of course, sign up for Patreon and find out what you can get, including wonderful discount codes on our merch, uh, by going to motoringpodcast.com and clicking the orange Become a Patron button right there on the front page. What we're really asking you to do right at the minute is to fill in our listener survey, please. The in- We don't collect... Uh, sneaky nasty information on you the only information we have about you is the information you voluntarily give us Uh, so if you go to once again motoringpodcast.com and click on the uh, audience survey button on the right hand side it's a kind of blue button that's centered but not to the button below it because of html but there will also be a link in the show notes but there will be a link in the show notes of course as well uh, as well as lots of other places and if you could spend five minutes just filling that in that would be greatly appreciated uh, even if you're only an occasional listener if there's questions in there that you don't like you don't want to answer then do please skip them uh, there is no obligation to fill in any of the questions at all yeah it is a truly anonymous survey as well just mm. to make that clear as well in case you were i mean and about some of the questions we know some of the questions can come across as a little bit uh not not personal but they are asking for information you wouldn't probably want to divulge but we don't know who it is that has answered said yeah, questions we, we we will we cannot find that out so if if that was holding you back then you know it, but it, just to let you know this information is being collated to help us to move forward next year with approaching manufacturers and explaining exactly who our audience is but also uh, looking for sponsors and advertisers uh, to help increase the income of the podcast so it means we can do more interesting content but also go places and we can buy more equipment to help us sound and do better things it's a circle of life yes we're not we're not looking for golden thrones we're looking to make better stuff (laughs) so thank you very much for that basically that anyway uh, speaking of which, by the way, just thought we'd run very quickly because this is our last news show of the years. A couple more special editions to come out, which have been recorded and are ready to go, and others which aren't. Um, <laughs> so what did we do? We published 67 episodes. There's another couple to come, at yep. least two. So we're going to be knocking on the door of 70, if not there. Andrew, what was your favorite thing that you did during 2019? Uh, I had to rack my brain because you sprung this on me just before we pressed I, I record. I did. I was a bit evil. Thinking about it, the favourite one event I was uh, anything to do with was going to the big SMMT test day uh, in May because that was my first time mm-hmm. being there. And whilst it, it was awesome because I got to meet up with people who we chat to on Twitter and all the rest of it, it was the reaction from the manufacturers actually. Because you've experienced that 
Yeah. And I only get to speak to them via the internet. Mm-hmm. But this was to this was going to see these people and they were like, Oh hi, nice yes. And it was oh right, yes, they do know us. They do it was having that reinforced, I think. Mm-hmm. That's good, because I remember the days when it was what's a podcast? <laughs> yes. We still have that occasionally. Yeah, it still happens every now and again. How about you then? So my favourite was the Nurburgring twenty four hours with you and I. Okay. Um, uh, and we, we we will find out about that at some point, will we? You you will, but it was fantastic <laughs> because it was a cool. Yes, yes, you will. I know it was June. It's awful. But yeah, because it was a it was a fantastic event. It was a fantastic thing. It was it was great company and great opportunities. And then it turned into that mini road trip, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool too. That's it. Was just a really good sort of two weeks. I mean, I was half dead by the end of it, but it was fantastic two weeks. <laughs> the sacrifices you make for us, Alan. Yes, they absolutely. will go unrewarded. Yeah. You'll notice, by the way, there's no predictions in this show. They are in the special edition that will come out on Friday. Yes, in the the podcast there. So, so that's that's why this is a bit weird. It's, it's normally we fill this otherwise deserted show up with predictions and all sorts of fun stuff. But now, also, one just want to take because this is the last live recording show of the year i just want to take a moment or two to just thank uh, all of you uh listeners patrons uh those of you who have bought the sweet sweet merch for all of your support throughout the year it really does matter and as andrew said to the smmt and to all the manufacturers for their support as well yep and just being jolly nice folk for the most part and at least sounding interesting whenever <laughs> Sounding interested whenever we've asked them something and, and, and dealing with that kind of stuff and just being nice. Prepare to have a conversation with us, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, thanks to everyone who's taken part in the rear view or any of the special editions. Yes. Um, the roundtables and stuff. That's been absolutely brilliant, too. Thank you so much for giving up your time, often at slightly antisocial times of the evening, yes. when you would normally be aiming to sit down and chill out. Uh, with your family and instead you've you've given that up to, yep. to spend time for us also proper grown-up motoring journalists not just for your support and your encouragement and nice words but also for writing lots and lots of articles for us to talk about we are essentially content create content collation here yep um, and quite frankly if other people didn't do interesting stuff and didn't do all the hard work in the background then it would be much, much harder, if not impossible, uh, for us to produce uh, this show. Yes, absolutely. Also, just for saying hi as well, quite often. <laughs> yes. It does. It's quite nice when you walk into something, a room of people you don't really know, and there's a couple of smiley faces go, oh, hi, Alan, how are you doing? And offers to drive and all that kind of fun stuff. So that, that matters a huge amount. Just quickly to Toyota, Honda, and Caliber Magazine for the help sponsoring the Motoring Podcast. Uh, I made a bit of a bish of that at the end of the show that's coming out on Friday. I don't didn't I kind of hadn't got it written down and completely forgot until somebody prompted me. Uh, so I wanted to take I wanted to take a moment tonight to say thank you for giving yes. up your Friday evenings for supporting financially and all these kind of things. Thank you so much, uh, lovely folk, all of you. Yes, uh, and for uh, uh, and for Ian and Phil as well for for just taking their time to do that. that was, yep, um, just uh, we had so much fun doing it. We really hope you enjoy listening to it because it's it's something a bit different and and hopefully something 
we shall repeat again in the future. Yep. Uh, and speaking of which, for next year, we've already got a whole load of stuff in the pipeline. We do. <laughs> the scariest for me being 21st of January, where I'm giving a talk, uh, a day's sort of talk stroke workshop to the Guild of Motoring Writers on podcasting, which you, yes, which is a little bit, that's a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah, I will actually write the slides over Christmas. Uh, and then, yeah, other things uh, in the calendar for later in the month already. So here's to hopefully having enough time to do all the things we want to do. Because it's not happened to any of the last four years. <laughs> I'm not sure why it's going to happen now. But uh, goodness knows yes. we'll try. Anyway, yeah. so that's an awful lot of waffle in the middle. Should we move on with the last few stories we've got? Yes. Uh, and the story uh, that I'm going to pick up next is to do with rallying. Um, we mentioned a while ago that Opal stroke Vauxhall were bringing out a Corsa E electric rally car. Well, they've just started uh, real world testing of the Corsa E. And what they'll do is they will sell this vehicle eventually, uh, or not not too eventually, but fairly soon, to uh, to customers to race in their own teams. So it's not going to be a Vauxhall or Stroke Opal manufacturer's car. It's they, it's a bit like the Polo WRC. They they build hmm. them, but then flog them on, and people run them all themselves. What's interesting about this is that this is the first time they've they've actually got out on the roads with it because up to now they've been stuck with having to use calculations and simulation to hopefully get where they expect to be uh, as f- in terms of performance and everything else in the different conditions. Now they are just trying to rack up as many miles as possible to see if there are discrepancies and where the discrepancies are and then work out what they are so that they can produce these cars for the ADAC Opal E-Rally Cup, which is going to be a one-make EV rally series for 15 young rally drivers which go which is happening next year so they really got to get their skates on a bit (laughs) just under 46 grand for one of these by the way which sounds like a lot but then for a race car really isn't yeah it depends on what the range is and it may make sense to try and buy one of those and road register it (laughs) (laughs) a funny feeling you'd probably just make more sense to buy the real thing don't come at me with reality come on Oh, we don't normally funny. use it here. <laughs> Not that much. No. Lunchtime read then. Lunchtime read uh, is from Autocar this week, and it's a piece by well Jim Holder and quite a lot of the the Autocar editorial team, to be honest, looking at Japan, mm. uh, and they're asking. I mean, the big question. This is the title of the article: is Is time running out for Japan's car industry? And trying to work out just where Japan's car industry is right at the moment, because there's a lot of sort of conflict turmoil turmoil oh turmoil that's a good word uh there's a lot of turmoil well seemingly confused uh strategies as well well yes that's exactly it and and it's just asking has japan's time run out where are the new ideas going to come from what's going to happen next and also filling in some of those gaps that we forget about some of the manufacturers too so it is quite long it's not exactly the lightest of reading uh, but it's really, really interesting. It, I, I found uh, and, it fascinating. Well I really did. Yeah, fifteen minutes of your time. It's it's a real cracker, a nice long form, nice long form piece. Because it also helps to just demonstrate the sort of things companies need to think about. That's hmm. one of the aspects I found very interesting of this article. Is it's not just that they were trying to pick apart the Japanese manufacturers, each one of their own strategies and where, where can they go and all the rest of it. But it's every manufacturer needs to worry about these things. So it's a mm-hmm. case of 
how how is how are the Japanese manufacturers doing it? And then and it's showing the differences between their approaches and whether some have been caught a little bit cold by the way that society and then regulation has changed so quickly, which it has changed quite quickly recently. Oh, it really has. Uh, market, you know, the the market demands have changed hugely around diesel. Yeah, it is a really good article that we, as we always do with a lunchtime read, we thoroughly encourage you to have a, a look over that. Uh, with your mince pies. What about a watch? Now, I think this is less of a lunchtime watch and and possibly more of a more of a, a an evening's watch. Well, yes, but it's it's nearly Christmas, so we thought we'd give you the listener, the dear listener, two things to perhaps use over your lunchtime or whenever you have time to do this, your commute maybe. If you've unfortunately got to do a commute. And this is on the iPlayer, and it, the BBC had exclusive access to the testing by Bloodhound um, Land Speed Record down in South Africa, when they which they've just recently returned from, and it's titled "Chasing the Land Speed Record." So it, it's they're basically watching everything that goes on and looking at how the team reacts and what they're doing to get to the. Mm-hmm get to the point where they can go for the next stage of testing or even the the record itself so it's it's you've got video format of the stuff we talked about several times when we did a few updates during their yeah. time there so it you know we're big supporters of this so if you have any interest in the land speed record give this a, a watch it's a good one yeah it's 27 minutes long and it's around until it must be about the 14th of January. Yeah. Uh, it'll be there for me. It's available for another 27 days. Mm-hmm. Good. I'll download that to watch when I'm away over Christmas. Cool. This week's list of the week is The Glorious History of French Luxury Barges. Again, from Autocar. Yep. Uh, and it is an Autocar slideshow. Usual caveats uh, apply. But yeah, there's some, there's some crackers and there's some in there because the French are fantastic up big squidgy cars it's what they do they run brilliantly on the auto route and they mean that they can carry everything that they need for a, a camping holiday for a month by the sea and uh, for the whole of august and there's some crackers it's all the stuff you'd expect renault 25s uh, peugeot 605 citroen xms cx's etc but then there's of course the, the next tier of how much we remember them. <laughs> the Talbot Tagora, for example. The beautiful Peugeot 604, by the way. If you don't remember what 604 looks like, they were never sold in the UK. Um, then it is really wonderful. The Renault, which one was that? I think, was that an 80? Oh, hang on. The Renault 30, pardon me, from 1975. I've never understood Renault's numbering. This probably is not a time to introduce that that question. But it has always been a bit weird. <laughs> And just loads the Monica. There's there's all sorts of things in there. It's it's a real cracker. Yep. Uh, if you're a francophile like myself, yes, there is some stunners in there. Oh, there's some uh, some bunters as well. There's a Renault Initial I've just spotted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, and the, yeah, and the Renault Fluence as well is in there. Yeah, not great. I think is that a Fluence. I think it was a Fluence. Yep. It's a good one, that. It good is. List. It is. Good list. Right, and finally, mm. in a galaxy far, far away. 
<laughs> well, not that far away. Porsche and Lucasfilm got together and they have designed a starship which is to be included within the Star Wars universe storyline canon, whichever the correct terminology is for these things. It's all very complicated. Uh, there is a cracking video which is 11 minutes 51 seconds long which goes through how they came up with the design and, and explaining the process and everything else to do with it. So do watch that. It's just, well, spaceships and <laughs> everything. It's very cool. It is. It's re- It's actually really interesting how two quite different teams work together and explaining, you know, what the sort of design language is for Star Wars as well as the design language for Porsche. Uh, but I love the, the name, the name of the, Name of the ship. It is the Tri-Wing S9, S91X Pegasus Starfighter. It's just quite a good name. Yes, and it, it looks great. It looks absolutely cracking as well. It does. And in the video, they actually, as they're getting through, I didn't get quite to the end before you appeared tonight. You ruined my watching. Well, I'm glad I did something constructive. Well, exactly. So you can actually see where... You know what the design language is from Porsche, and whenever they start to explain it, it all starts to make sense, really. <laughs> and you understand, and and some of also some of the the ideas which they had early on, which they then rejected and stuff. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty cool. It's one of these things where you first heard about this this tie up, and you thought, oh yeah, 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 whatever. And I saw the pictures, and I thought that's quite cool. And then I saw this video, and it's it's really cool. So so the actual link in the show notes will link to the Porsche newsroom because it's got all the information and the link to the video. Yep. Rather than pimping someone <laughs> pimping someone else's article as we normally do. Just this one it's so nice uh in its its raw format. Exactly. Parish notes. Uh so special edition, the review of the Alpha Stelvio. Uh, with me attempting an Italian accent. That was really bad. That was awful that time. Uh, was released last last Friday. That seems to be quite popular. Thank you, everyone. Uh, do please listen your way through the introduction. Then then, then forget I did that. <laughs> we can't, Alan. We can never forget. Uh, well, I'd like to think of it as, as, as the episode that inspired another YouTube channel. So, yes, possibly, um, by the looks of it. <laughs> possibly, yeah. There's, there should be a new special edition out on Friday. Yes. Andrew keeps referring to it as the review of 2019. I keep referring to it as the Motoring Podcast uh, because that was very much its working name and I quite like it. Uh, but there'll be other stuff coming out over Christmas uh, for your listening delight. Yes, absolutely. I just want to take this opportunity, Alan, just to say thank you for another cracking year. Thanks for oh, speaking thank to me. Thank you to you. And stopping well, my loneliness <laughs> once a week, or well, more often when we record stuff. But uh, for taking the uh, for, for feeling sorry about me and going, oh well, I'd better speak to him. He'd just be on his own otherwise. Yeah, well, that that's basically how it works. No, thanks, mate, and thank you for the Motoring Sympathy Podcast. <laughs> so. <laughs> The challenge here, of course, is that is 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 that everybody else just does just about all the work for me on this one because uh, Andrew does practically all the editing. You can always tell the difference between the Andrew episode and a Just Allen episode uh, by the number of jump cuts and the number of sniffs and coughs and stutters which are left in because two thirds of the way through I'm losing the will to live. Uh, and I don't quite know how he manages it every week, to be perfectly honest. Other than the fact that he's had an awful lot more practice. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, uh, thanks, mate. It's always a pleasure. And that's horribly self-congratulatory. And we're back patting each other on the back. And I'm incredibly uncomfortable as a result. Well, it, it, we only do it once a year. Don't worry. We'll get back to yes, insulting exactly. each other very shortly. 
I'm sure. Uh, that's about right. No, thank you. Which, all that's left to say really is for me to give the normal ending, which is to remind you that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our survey. You go to motoringpodcast.com slash support. You can find out all the different ways you can support us there, as well as leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? People want to get in touch with me. The best way is via Twitter. If they search for Crack Windscreen, they should find me there. And Alan, if people want to get in touch with you and say that we've just been a bit too narcissistic this episode, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, the best way that they can do that is to go and fill in the questionnaire, please. Although if it is specifically this episode, maybe just drop me a note on Twitter where I'm at H-A-P-Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We will be back relatively soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.